Well, good morning, guys. It is June 2nd, 2020 here on Theology Matters. Um, today I have a special, special guest with me who's going to help me out. They're going to host uh, a little bit today. Uh, this person works here at the church uh, alongside of Dr. Bell and me. Uh, of course, Dr. Bell serves as the senior pastor. I serve as the associate. And then here comes Isabella, Miss Isabella, who serves as our music director, and she also helps out with youth ministry and some and children's ministry, which we appreciate so much. Today, I'm going to be sharing my testimony. It is Testimony Tuesday, and we're going to be doing this, uh, try to do it once a month have somebody that comes in and shares their testimony of how God has worked in their life. And today, you guys get stuck with me. So praise the Lord for that. You should be shouting, yay, we get stuck with Pastor Dwayne. Um, so we're going to start right now. All right, Isabella, you're taking over as host this morning. So any questions you have, anything you want to say, shoot away. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. In case you didn't know, he affectionately calls me heathen. Amen. So if he ever refers to a heathen throughout this time, no, he's talking about me, not you. You guys aren't the heathens, just just me. All right. That's heresy. Yeah. It's your own heresy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and open with some scripture today before we get into some questions and Pastor Dwayne's testimony. I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 8, which many of you probably know this passage. It's the love chapter. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen. So, we're going to be talking about how this applies to your life, how God's love has never failed you Amen. in the many places your life has gone, the journey that you've gone through. So, as we start out, why don't you tell us a bit about your childhood? What was that like? Well, I was born in Germany. Uh, my dad was in the army at the time, and my mom was overseas with him. And both my mom and dad struggled with drug addiction. Um, my mom has since come to the Lord and uh, serves Jesus Christ now. Um, but during that time, uh, she went through a lot. My dad was abusive to her uh, during that. And he ended up getting arrested. Uh, he went AWOL from the military and she ended up coming back to the States with me and uh, began to try to raise me and 
and try to stay clean, and she ends up getting saved and tries to raise me the best she could um, as a single parent. Uh, she remarries, um, and I think uh, I was young, really young, when she remarried, and um, they ended up getting divorced. So I really, through my childhood, I really struggled with the idea of having a dad and struggling with my identity as a young boy, trying to figure out who 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 am I? Uh, what am I supposed to do with my life? How am I supposed to to be a man? How am I supposed to to function in those ways? And uh, to be honest with you, I just didn't have great role models there. Um, and struggled with that. I've struggled with that most of my life, um, trying to figure out manhood. Luckily, uh, through the years, I've had some great mentors, uh, men who have poured into me and loved me and encouraged me. But my childhood wasn't that great. It wasn't always horrible, but it it wasn't always great either. Mm. And struggling with identity issues, struggling with um, what it means to be a boy and and develop into manhood. I, I I really struggled with that through my young years and going into adolescence. Um, I also felt rejected mm. um, because I, I never knew my real dad. Yeah. Um, he, uh, since he and my mom divorced, uh, I've never met him, never communicated with him. Um, and uh, I've struggled with that through my life feeling uh, unloved and unwanted. Um, now, my mom loved me the best she could. Um, it wasn't easy for her trying to raise a, a young boy who was struggling with his own identity issues and struggling with um, his own rejection from his dad and anger and bitterness and hatred towards people. Um just struggled with those issues growing up and my mom did she did the best she could and when she ended up divorcing my uh, stepdad she ended up working multiple jobs and um, trying to do the best she could and in that uh, she wasn't around a lot yeah um, but she was doing the best she could and uh, trying to provide for me, make sure I had clothes, make sure I had food, make sure I had those basic necessities that that I needed. But I was left alone a lot as a young kid. And when you're left alone a lot as a young kid and you're having to make uh, decisions for yourself, most of the time you don't make the right decision. Mm. And that's kind of where I was. Um, made some really bad decisions, even as young. I smoked my first cigarette when I was around seven or eight years old. Um, and, um, just struggled, uh, with those types of issues all of my life. Uh, And I think part of that was trying to find my identity. Where do I belong? Who do I belong to? What does that look like? Um, so that's kind of where I was as a, as a kid. Yeah. And of course, as a kid, you don't have that perspective. Like my mom's doing what she can and like, yeah. So, so I struggled with some anger there too. 
as as an adult now, I get it. Yeah. And, and I'm so appreciative of all that she tried to provide for me. Um, she was a good mom, and in the fact that she wasn't perfect, because um, there's nobody perfect but God. Yeah. Um, but she did the best she could. Um, and she looks back now. She even tells me that she regrets some of the decisions she's made, and stuff like that. I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, I love my mom. We're we're close now, um, almost like best friends, even. Um, and I'm so appreciative of that relationship I have with her now. Um, I did miss some of that relationship growing up, but again, I, I'm. No animosity there towards her. She did the best she could. She was a wonderful mom, uh, just trying to survive yeah. uh, in life herself and take care of a young kid and, and and do those things. Now as a dad of young twin girls, yeah, I, I kind of get that, mm. you know, and, and I see in my own life all the imperfections as a dad that I have. Mm. Um and when you begin to really see that, you begin to have a lot more grace yeah, uh, towards uh, your parents. And you're like, wow, <laughs> I put my parents through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I put my mom through a lot. And uh, she still loves me. It's, it's quite amazing <laughs> <laughs> that she still loves me and still puts up with me. So. But, yeah, that's kind of where I was as a kid. Yeah, and I know that you love your mom. You talk about her all the time. And yeah. You have us pray for her, and you yeah. always give us updates on her. So yeah. it's great to see you in that relationship. And so you've told me before that in your teen years you started to experiment with drugs. So what was that like? How did that go? Yeah, again, just the idea of having to make decisions uh, as a kid Um. Because you're alone a lot, and mm-hmm. you're having to make decisions. And I was hanging out with older kids um, and who were already experimenting with those things. And I ended up, uh, I think I was like 12, 11 or 12 when I smoked my first joint. Um, and, and then began from there, began to experiment with other drugs. Um, I did LSD, I did, uh, cocaine, um, I did some heroin, um, never shot up, but I did snort heroin and, uh, did a lot of those types of drugs and those years were very difficult. I was very angry, Mm -hmm. bitter, and I had a lot of hatred. (coughs) A lot of hatred towards situations that I felt like life was unfair and I got dealt a bad hand mm. uh, in life and I was angry with God. Uh, I hated, I'll just tell you, I know that's a strong word, but I hated the church. I hated, I didn't like Christians. Um, and, and it was because of my anger towards, towards God. Mm. Um, that really was built up because I blamed him for the life I had. Um, but now, you know, you look back and you're like, God was really good through those years because I'm alive. Mm. Um, made some really poor decisions uh, throughout that time. 
uh, made some really poor decisions of friends and people made really poor decisions in being my friend mm. um, because I wasn't a good friend. And, and I remember uh, doing a lot of drugs um, and drinking a lot. I loved to drink. Mm. Um, I loved alcohol uh, more than probably a lot of the drugs. I enjoyed the alcohol. But I remember um, I was around 17, and I was at a party. Uh, there was a lot of drugs there, specifically a lot of cocaine. Mm. And uh, that night I would had enough, and I really didn't want to live anymore. Um, I was depressed. I was angry. I was bitter. I hated my life. I knew that I was going to end up dead or in prison because of my addictions. Um, so I decided that that night that that would be the end. I would do enough drugs to kill an elephant. So that's what I began to do. And I, I remember I was sitting on the couch at, at this party and I was doing drugs and doing a lot of drugs. And, uh, I stood up, and there were some girls in the corner. I wanted to go talk to those girls. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking over there and beginning to talk to those girls, and I hit the floor and, and began to OD. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, I found out later that um, someone woke up in the middle of the night that night mm -hmm. and began to pray for me. They didn't hear a voice of God or anything like that. They woke up and just felt an intense desire to pray for me. Um, and they did. They began praying for me. Um, it was a family member. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, when I share my story, I often talk about how when everybody went running out of that house, because I was ODing, Jesus came running in um, through the prayers of that person that woke up in the middle of the night having a desire to pray for me, not knowing what was going on, not knowing anything. And I remember coming to completely sober. I had drool all over me and I uh, had ended up vomiting. and uh, But I woke up sober. and That was a very strange experience. Um, and just felt this strange presence mm. and felt this strange peace that I, I didn't quite understand, but I knew that it had to be a God thing. Yeah. It had to be a God moment. Um, I didn't know God, didn't want to know God, wasn't looking for God, didn't care about God, but God came looking for me. Yeah. In the middle of my rebellion and my hatred and my anger towards him, he still loved me. Mm. I love the scripture, Paul in Romans. He says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died, died for Christ. us. Mm. And uh, that, that was lived out that night, that, um, that God loved me, that while I was still a sinner, um, he saved my physical life that night. Um, 
did I jump right in right in line with Jesus and start following Jesus in that moment? Absolutely not. Uh, there was some issues to work out. Mm. And uh, a few months later, I did. I came to Christ um, on New Year's, New Year's New Eve. Year's Eve. Yeah, I came. I came to Christ. Uh, Seventeen years old, getting ready to turn eighteen, and I uh, came to Christ. But even after coming to Christ, I still struggled with some of my uh, addictive issues, addiction issues, and I would do good for a few months, and and then I would go on a binge, mm. and uh, drinking and doing drugs, and th- those were very difficult times. Um, if you know anything about a binger, mm. um, they do more drugs in their binge than a, usually a straight addict does. Um, and I was binging, and then I'd feel bad, and I knew God didn't want me to live that way, and and I would repent and do good for a little bit and then go on another binge. And, and I knew I needed help, yeah. and I was struggling with did I really want help? Mm. Yeah, and my mom began to discuss something with me called Teen Challenge. Yeah. I didn't really want to go mm-hmm. at the time. I struggled with going, um, but ended up going. God uh, providentially moved, uh, and I ended up at Teen Challenge. And uh, through Teen Challenge, God really worked in my life. Um, a lot of that hatred and that anger and that, bitterness uh, that I had in my heart that I didn't realize I still had, mm. even towards God. Yeah. Um, God began to deal with those issues in my heart while I was at Teen Challenge and uh, began to end up healing those issues in my heart and in my life uh, in remarkable ways. Um, I don't hate my dad. Mm. Um, I, I have no animosity towards him. I pray for him. I, I pray that he knows the Lord Jesus Christ and is serving Jesus Christ. Um, I love my mom. Yeah. Y- yeah. You know, that relationship was restored in remarkable ways. Um, and so thankful for that. But through that, God really worked in my life through Teen Challenge. I was there for a year. Okay. And what Teen Challenge is, guys, is a Christian rehab. Basically, those who are struggling with addictions go for a year and uh they're there for a year and they're discipled for a whole year and uh they learn the scriptures they learn how to heal uh they learn how to to forgive themselves and also to ask forgiveness from those they've hurt Mm. and begin to heal that way and they begin to learn how to deal with those addictions in a Christ-like manner, they begin to to uh, learn how to process their their own struggles. Uh, one of the things, deep things that I learned at Teen Challenge was is that my main issue wasn't my addictions. Those were just the product of the issues I had. Yeah. Um, the ultimate issue I had was I was a sinner. And I was in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ, who would redeem me, heal me, and set me free. Um, And I had those other issues, my dad, 
those anger issues, those bitter issues that I had, those issues of blaming others for those situations in my life and not looking at myself and my own sin and my own heart. And uh, God really worked in my life that way at Teen Challenge. I began to look at myself, Mm. not at other people and what they had done to me, but, hey, I've done some horrible things to people too. Yeah. How, How do I have the right to hold on to this bitterness and this anger towards other people when I want them to forgive me. Mm, yeah. So I uh, c- kind of came to some of those conclusions through that. Uh, so, yeah, and through Teen Challenge, God just just worked in my life, brought some deliverance in my life. Has it been easy? Have I struggled? Uh, absolutely, I've struggled at times in my life. Have I made good decisions all through my Christian life? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I've had to grow like everybody else. Uh, and I've had bumps and bruises along the way like everybody else. Yeah. Um, but God has processed me. Mm. And I, I'm not where I was. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I've, I've grown. Yeah. And I'm still growing. And yeah. I'm still learning. And God's still processing me. I have not arrived yet. Um, but I'm thankful that that God in the middle of my failures as a Christian doesn't give up on me, doesn't turn his back from me. Uh, He processes me. He brings discipline in my life and brings me back uh, to where I need to be. And he does the same for every believer, um, not just me. Um, So that's kind of where I ended up in life through that. I would like to go back. You talked about how you know you don't hate your dad and yeah. you don't feel any animosity towards him. Like, what was your process to get there? Like, how many years have you had to work through <laughs> that? Uh, it, it's taken years. Um, just reminding myself of uh, how much God has forgiven me. Uh, Jesus shares this story about how this one guy who owes somebody money and he owes them a big amount and the guy uh goes to the guy he owes the big amount of money to and he asks for that debt to be forgiven and the that guy forgives that debt yep and then this other guy uh somebody owes him a little amount of debt yeah and he demands that that person pay him well, this master, this other guy who he owed the large debt to finds out and has him thrown into prison to pay that whole debt off. Who am I since God has paid all of my debt in the person of Jesus Christ demands somebody to pay their debt to me? Uh, it is kind of where I came to in life. Uh, it wasn't an easy process. It was a learning process. Remembering scriptures that say, you know, the Lord's Prayer uh, that says if we don't forgive, he will not forgive us. Yeah. Uh, remembering that forgiveness is a part of the believer's life. And if God has forgiven me of so much, who am I to withhold forgiveness to anybody? I deserved God's absolute wrath and justice and uh, I had violated his law, and he is holy, and he had 
every right to judge me. But instead of judging me, he sent his son to redeem me. So who am I to withhold any forgiveness from anybody? And, and that's how God kind of processed me over the years. Um, now, do I still struggle at times with that? Yeah, but not in the sense of hatred, but in the sense of um, I didn't have I didn't really have a dad. Um and I think I'll struggle with that the rest of my life. I often think about Jacob, who wrestled with God on the mountain, mm. uh, Penal, uh, which means face-to-face with God. Mm. He wrestled with God on the mountain, and he ended up with a limp. Mm. Yeah. The, the angel of the Lord smacked him on the, the hip, and he walked with a limp the rest of his life. And, and I feel like, this may be my limp. Mm. That one thing I have to lean into God about. I've, the scriptures tell us that God is a father to the fatherless. Yeah. And I lean into that a lot. That even though I never really had a, a dad, um, God's kind of like my dad. Mm. And I can lean into him. Uh, and I learn how to be a man from him. Looking at his son, Jesus Christ. What does it look like to be a man? And do I always get that right? Uh, Yeah, I do. No, I don't. I don't always get that right. Uh, I wish I did get that right all the time, but I don't. Am I always the perfect husband uh, to my wonderful and beautiful wife, Julie? No, I'm not. I wish I was. Uh, Am I always the perfect dad to Sophie and Emma, my twin daughters, eight-year-old, full of joy, and rambunctiousness. Uh, no, I'm not. Yeah. Um, but I lean into God and try to to learn by looking at the person of Jesus what it looks like to be a man. Mm. Uh, Jesus was a man. Yeah. Uh, so looking at that and trying to process what that looks like, I try to lean into that. Yeah. I was going to say, from my personal experiences, I found that forgiveness is often a process and it's continual. Yes. You have to return to it again and again. So Yeah, and I, I've had to, um, but I'm not where I was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I don't hold that animosity anymore. All right. So after that, how did you get from there to where you are now? How were you called to ministry, or when, when, you, when were you called to ministry? I, I think, again, that was a process. Um, I began to feel called in, to ministry at Teen Challenge, I had opportunities when I was in Teen Challenge to share my story, to share how God was, had worked and was working in my life. And God blessed that. And I enjoyed it. And I love to, to share my story with people because it's really God's story of how God had redeemed an uh, 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 awful, just horrible person, me. Uh, somebody that didn't deserve to be redeemed, somebody that didn't deserve God's grace. And, and, but yet God gave that grace to me. And I was able to share that story of God's redeeming grace in my own life and to see how God would move in people's lives when I'd share my story with, with them. Seeing teenagers who were hardened begin to just cry. I remember speaking at places where gangs were and seeing gang members as I was sharing my story just in tears. Many of them were in 
fatherless situations and they were looking for a community where they could fit and find their identity and they ended up in a, in a, a gang or the wrong type of family yeah um seeing them come up and drop their guns on an altar or drugs on an altar when we were doing these testimonies and stuff while I was in Teen Challenge was quite remarkable to see how God was moving. And in that, I, I just sensed that this is what I want to do with the rest of my life is to share God's grace and mercy mm. and love with people, share how God redeemed a, a wretch like me. And if he redeemed me, I feel like Paul, who talks about that he was the worst of all sinners mm. and that God redeemed him. him. I kind of feel like that sometimes in my own life because I know how undeserving I was of God's grace. Uh, I didn't want God, didn't like God, but God loved me mm. and wanted me yeah. um, and, and to experience that and then to share that with people. And then after I... Uh, got out of Teen Challenge, graduated Teen Challenge, ended up in a little church, um, and that pastor kind of took me under his wing, uh, Pastor Leo Bracken, um, who I still love dearly. Um, uh, just recently, last year in December, preached at that church, first church I ever worked at. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing and just loved me where I was and I knew I was flawed and had uh, a lot of wrinkles in my own life and flaws in my own life and began to help me and uh, mentor me and disciple me. Uh, and then asked if I would come on staff there as the uh, youth pastor. Uh, and, and I said, absolutely. I uh, just felt that call on my life and began to serve on staff there uh, uh, to begin with unpaid, and then it was part-time uh, and, and just moved from there. And then uh, I left there and uh, went to college for a little bit at Southeastern University and was doing some evangelistic work, preaching in high schools and middle schools and, and uh, churches and doing youth rallies and youth conferences and doing a lot of those types of ministries and just seeing how God was just moving miraculously. I also had some struggles in my own life during that period mm. um, and ended up stepping out of ministry for a little while because of some issues in my own heart and life um, that I hadn't dealt with yet. Mm. Um, and God processed me through that and ended up... Uh, after a few years, ended up pastoring a church in uh, Selma, North Carolina, um, and was there for a few years. And there, then ended up at a uh, Southern Baptist church in Wilmington, North Carolina, working on staff as the youth pastor there. Um, it was a larger church. Uh, loved my experience there. What a wonderful group of people. I just love them. I still cherish a lot of my time there, uh, they were they were very gracious towards me mm. um, because the last place I'd left uh, was difficult, and uh, I, I was hurt. Yeah, um, and I wasn't perfect either in in some of the situations that happened at the church. 
Um, but I was hurt and needed some healing. And that church took me in, loved on me, and and just uh, showed me Christ's grace. And uh, God brought healing into my heart. And I began to enjoy ministry again yeah. and enjoy ministering to teenagers. Uh, we saw a lot of unchurched kids coming to youth group during that time. We We grew from a handful of kids to uh, around 100 if all of them showed up at one time. I think when I first got there, there was like seven kids. Wow. And uh, we ended up with around 80 to 100 kids if all of them showed up at one time. You know how that is. Yeah. Um, and, and God moved. We had a lot of unchurched kids. We had atheists that started coming and agnostics that started coming to the youth group. Um, because they had questions, yeah, and they were looking for answers, mm-hmm. um, and I tried to answer those questions the best I could. Um, so yeah. All right. So you were in North Carolina. So how did you end up here at First Reform in Bluffton, Indiana? Um, because I love my wife with all my heart. Um, both of my wife's parents were struggling with cancer. Um, and we kind of felt like our time at Wrightsboro Baptist Church in Wilmington was coming to an end. Um, we felt like it was, uh, we were there for three and a half years. We felt like we had accomplished what God wanted us to accomplish at Wrightsboro as the student pastors. And uh, so we began to have those conversations. Her dad was struggling with cancer and it had spread to his liver. And her mom was struggling with a type of leukemia. So we began to discuss um, maybe resigning the church and moving to Bluffton, Indiana. We began to look at all the financial stuff and all those things. And we realized that um, that moving here, she would get like a fifteen dollars to $20,000 pay increase and uh, from teaching. Yeah. Um, and we began to look at all those. And the cost of living is a lot lower here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Than where we were living at. And uh, I wanted to finish up on a graduate degree. And I also wanted to work on my doctorate, which I'm working on now. Yeah. Um, and this would afford me the opportunity to do that. So we prayed. We discussed being close to her parents so we could we could have some years uh, and the girls could have some years with them. So thankful we did that. Her dad passed away um, a few years ago and so thankful that she got to spend those those couple of years with him and the girls. Yeah. Got to spend time with her papa. Yeah. Uh, and get to know him and and experience those things. And so we ended up here just attending. Yep. Uh, I was looking for ministry opportunities, had uh, interviewed at a bunch of churches, and um, no doors had really opened. Uh, some I turned down. I just didn't felt like I was the right fit. and um, Nothing against some of those churches. I just didn't fit there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we were actually talking about moving back to North Carolina um, for ministry because nothing 
was really opening and didn't really sense anything here um, at the time. And uh, we knew that something was going to open up at this church, but we weren't sure uh, how that would work out and what that would look like. So we would begin to discuss how we were going to maybe move back down to North Carolina and find another ministry position. I had already had churches who had called me through the years from North Carolina asking if I would be willing to move back down and work on staff at churches, some senior pastor, some associate pastor at work. Um, Never took those because we felt like we were here for a reason during that time. Uh, And right before we were getting ready to really consider moving back to North Carolina, um, the position here as associate pastor uh, opened up, and uh, some of the people asked if I would be interested. Uh, Dr. Bell asked if I would, if I would be interested, and I said, "Well, you got that right." <laughs> uh, so, the rest is history, and yeah, uh, it's been here about. A year and a half now. Yeah, it's getting close to that. Yeah, been thankful for this church and the opportunity to serve. Um, and we hope we're here for a long time in this community, in this church. Uh, we love this community. We love this church. And so thankful that, that God has us here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, share a little bit of my story on education. Okay. I, was, I was a high school dropout. And uh, who could barely read. And after I got saved, man, I wanted to dig into God's Word. I wanted to know who He was. So I just began to pick up the Bible and pray for God to help me and uh, teach me how to read and understand. And He was gracious. Uh, And I had done a lot of drugs and my mind wasn't completely okay. And God healed that. God worked in my heart and my life and my mind. And I began to read the scriptures, and that intensity kept growing and growing and growing. And uh, I knew I needed formal education eventually in ministry. So I ended up working on my undergraduate degree at Liberty University and did my Bachelor of Science in Religion. Um, And then I was serving at Wrightsboro uh, as the student pastor and knew that um, kids were asking these questions. They were tough questions. Yeah. Uh, so I knew I needed some apologetics background. And apologetics basically comes from the Greek word apologia, which means to make a defense. How do you defend the Christian faith? Yep. So I ended up getting a master's in apologetics. And then uh, I knew I needed more. <laughs> so I began to uh, work on an MDiv Worked on that and worked on some biblical language stuff, some other places. Um, Did my MA at uh, Clark Summit University, which was Bible Baptist Seminary in Pennsylvania. is now Clark Summit University. Um, And then did an MDiv at Grand Canyon University. And did some language stuff at Liberty and some other places for Greek and Hebrew. Mm. And now I'm working on my Doctorate of Ministry and expository preaching at Liberty. Um, It's been quite a journey um, to being a high school dropout drug addict to a pastor 
who's working on a doctoral degree. It displays God's absolute faithfulness and grace. Not because I'm special, but because he's amazing. Yeah. And and gracious and loving. And um, uh, God's brought me a long way. And he's still bringing me. Yep. And he'll bring me along uh, on this journey and I'll keep developing. Any other questions you have for me? I don't think I do. Any personal questions? Any personal questions? Doesn't look like any questions. Hmm. Why did you feel like you needed your doctorate? Oh, yeah. Good question. Um, I really just wanted to develop more in preaching. Uh, I don't think we should ever quit growing mm. in, in what we're doing. I think we should constantly be honing our skills, no matter if you're a lawyer, no matter if you're a doctor, no matter what, a teacher, you should be constantly honing your skills. Now, if you're a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer, you have to work on continuing education units. Mm. Um, and I, I think pastors should be doing this as well, um, is to continually be growing. Uh, and, and I love preaching and teaching. That's God's major call on my life. And I want to develop more and more and more in that. Uh, I never want to get to the point where I think I've got it mastered and I've got it together. Yeah. And that I'm the perfect preacher. Uh, I, I always want to be growing and learning and learning from other people um, who are doing it well. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so that's kind of why. I decided to do that. Also, I, I, I want to do some missions work. Yeah. Um, and an opportunity has actually come up recently, um, reconnected with an old friend, uh, Pastor Chris McMillan, who uh, is doing uh, some missions work over in Africa with a ministry called Item Ministries. And what they do is they go over and help develop and train indigenous pastors uh, to reach their own people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly something I wanted to do was to help develop uh, indigenous pastors uh, who can't have formal seminary education uh, get them tools they need, books they need, resources they need, curriculum they need, and teach and mentor them how to reach their own people. How do we read the Bible? Teach them how to do that. How yeah. do we study the Bible? How do we, how do we uh, create a sermon? Mm. Uh, how do we counsel our people? Uh, those types of things that they desperately want yeah. over there. I mean, they're, they, they are hungry for it more so than we are in America. Mm. They're hungry to learn God's word, to know God's word. And uh, actually the Lord has opened a door for me in the future to be able to go to Africa with this ministry team and to begin to do that. Um, and that was part of the reason I wanted to get my doctorate was I wanted to create a ministry. Yeah. To be able to do that, uh, bring in some of the top scholars, some of the top teachers, in and develop curriculum and begin to go to different places and do that. But uh, why reinvent the wheel? If there's a ministry already working that you can be a part of, 
and to help while try to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. So hopefully we're looking at next year, the beginning of process of doing that, going uh, for two or three weeks, uh, uh, maybe twice a year, and, and doing that, and then mentoring them through that process. That's through Skype, through different things like that, and communicating with these pastors we're working with to develop them. And that was another reason I wanted to work on my doctorate. That's really amazing. You and Dr. Bell are already kind of making like curriculum and Yeah, we're we're talking about creating some curriculum for a uh kind of like a pastor's institute. Yeah. Uh for those who are feeling called to ministry but they don't want to uproot their family and they don't want to drop thirty, forty thousand dollars in uh seminary education. Um but they want to be trained by those who have been trained. So we're, we're praying about and looking at developing a curriculum that would do that. And part of that's part of my doctoral process yeah. is creating that curriculum and helping Dr. Bell move forward with that. And uh, we're pretty excited about that. And we're still praying through that process. Yeah. Not sure what that's going to look like yet, but that is something we're looking at for the future. Yeah. So you're going to be doing a lot of that. And lucky me, I get to be at the forefront of it. I'm like a guinea pig. I get to learn everything for free. Yeah. They teach me everything. Yeah. <laughs> you are lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, God is God is gracious. And, and I pray if, you, if you've heard anything that you have seen as the text tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, that love never fails, that God's love will never fail you. It has never failed me. I've failed God, but God's love has never failed me. And today, if you've, if you've tuned in and you're watching, whether you're watching the live feed or whether you're watching uh, later, I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you and that his love will never fail you. And if you've never ask Christ to forgive you of your sins and you have never chosen to follow him, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would touch your heart right now and that you would come to know this Jesus that loves you and wants to redeem you. And I call you unto him. I call you to him to believe in the Lord Jesus, to confess him as Lord, to repent of your sins, and to follow him. Now, if you've tuned in today and you have questions about Christianity, you have questions on what we believe, why we believe it, you send me a message. I would absolutely love to have those conversations with you. Um, I, I want you to know that I'm here for you anytime you shoot me a message uh, here on Facebook and I will uh, respond and we'll connect and we'll have those conversations uh, because I believe that Christ loves you and that his love will never fail you. So we're going to pray today and, and close out. I hope you've enjoyed uh, our conversation together uh, and my story. Um, and if you have any questions about my story or you want to just talk sometime, 
shoot me a message or leave a comment in the uh, comment section here on Facebook. Well, we love you guys, and we're going to pray, and we're going to end it out. Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity to um, share your story. Uh, This really isn't my story. I'm not the hero here. You're the hero, Jesus. You're the one that redeemed me. You're the one that sought me. I didn't go looking for you. You came looking for me. And I'm so thankful for that. And I pray that if there's anyone who watches this that does not know you, that they would know that you have sought them and that you are drawing them unto yourself to love them and to redeem them. And I pray if there's one person here that feels lost and alone and angry and bitter at life, that they would experience the same love I did from you because your love never fails. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless, guys. Love you. I pray you have a fantastic day today. Bye, guys.